Listening to the Ron and Don Show. I'm G Force O'Neill, the real brains of this operation. Hey, Dad, can we go get a sandwich? Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 198 now of the Ron and Don Show as we close in on, well, the end of 2020, and here comes 2021. Hey, thinking of getting married in 2021? Probably 15 questions you should ask yourself. We'll talk about that. Also, Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn. They're in the new Santa Claus movie, The Santa Claus. No, Christmas Chronicles. There we go. Uh, Tim Allen is in The Santa Claus. Anyway, they've been married 37 years. No, they've been together 37 years. Never got married, but did they ask themselves these 15 questions? We'll go through that. And then also, Stephen Colbert. How come he decided to get so real on late night television? And we also see uh, broadcasters like Howard Stern with a brand new book out. And the thing that's really interesting about this book is I begin to read this. It's like, wow, this is not the Howard Stern that we used to know. Before we get to all that, though, don't forget, we are licensed brokers at Windermere, and we're also live from the Les Schwab studio. That's right. If you'd like a playbook for 2021 where you're thinking, I'm going to make a move, whether I'm downsizing, I'm right-sizing, there's a change in my job situation, I want to be a remote worker, uh, we have a playbook for uh, sellers, we have a playbook for buyers, email me, ron at windermere.com, I'll send that out to you free of charge. All right. Anyway, also our thanks to Les Schwab, they just signed on to the Ron and Don podcast for another year. Year. So our thanks to Les Schwab for sponsoring us. They do so many good things in the community like they are right now. They have their toy drive going on. They've had their food drive during Thanksgiving. And last year, I can remember them collecting bike after bike after bike to make sure that every kiddo had a bike or had a toy or a helmet, whatever it was, this holiday season. Still a little bit of time. Stop in a Les Schwab. And even though the deadline has gone by, I bet if you stop by and drop off a new unused toy... They'll make sure it's under the tree just in time for Christmas. Before we get to that, though, let's get to uh, this. I, I tried an experiment this week. I want to see what you think of it. I was uh, I, I subscribed to uh, Tim Ferriss's newsletter. So he sends out a thing every Friday where he gives you just a couple of links of things he's interested in or products he's tried or whatever. And I like that he, he experiments. And most of the time, he's the guinea pig uh, on the experiment. And, and I've tried to adopt that in my life. Like, Let me just try things out because we always reach that certain age where you get stuck in your ways and you don't try anything new. Uh, and so I was like, I'm going to, I saw this article he had on there and it's from uh, one of the technology writers at the New York times. And so he wants to break up with his phone, this writer for the New York times. He's in his, I think late thirties, early forties. It's literally his job to try out apps in platforms and things around technology. And so, but he, he kept looking at that thing that we get every week. If you have an iPhone, you get a report every week that says, you've spent this many hours a day well, on your phone. That's right. And so sometimes it's, you know, two hours and 45 minutes. Sometimes it can be five hours, six hours a day yeah. on your phone. And then there's also a setting, I believe, where it shows you how many times you've picked up and unlocked your phone. Mm. Uh, and so he, looked at this and he's like, I'm, I'm better than this. Like, what is going on? And he's like, I don't want to use the word addiction because he thinks that sort of puts, 
he says it's not the same as being addicted to alcohol or drugs or something. It's not a chemical thing that I'm putting in my body. It releases some chemicals, but he's like, so I don't want to treat it as an addiction in that way. And so he found this woman that does a thing, uh, a seminar called break up with how to break up with your phone. It's a 30 day program. And so he writes about this. So I thought I, I reading this article, I haven't done the 30 day break up with your phone thing. Whatever. I was just reading his article. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try an experiment. What would it be like for me to try and break up with my phone just for a small amount of time? Because in the, in the article, he's like, don't try to go cold turkey in the same way. Like if you're a, a raging user of a substance, it's actually kind of harmful if you just turn it off uh, immediately. So he, this, so anyways, I went up to the tiny house and I tried this. It is remarkably hard. Mm. It was, I found it remarkably hard to break up with my phone for, for a day. Uh, and I, I have developed, and I don't know if you're this way, Don, I unconsciously reach for it now for the smallest fractions of time. If I'm waiting for an elevator from the time I hit the up or down button to the time the elevator car gets there, which is typically under a minute, 40 seconds, I go to my phone and I'll see if there's any notifications. I might unlock the phone uh, and just, and then I'll put it in the kind of the elevator comes. I'll put it back in my pocket. Let's say I'm going to the doctor. Then I am waiting in line. There's two people in front of me to check in with the doctor. I'll pull out my phone, unlock it, and I'll check an app, put it back on my phone. And then I'll get a seat. They go, okay, doctor, we'll see you. Have a seat. Pull out my phone. Like literally every, if I go to the bathroom, I take my phone in there. If I'm coming out of the bathroom, if I'm going, if I'm leaving one room to go to the next room and I don't have my phone with me, it feels like I'm naked. And I got to go back and get my phone. Total irrational behavior. So I was like, all right, at least for a day, I'm going to break up with my phone. And so I found it to be very difficult at first. And there's this phantom limb syndrome where I wanted to reach for the phone. So I'm sitting in my tiny house. I'm looking out at the river. And at one point, I had to get up and move my phone so it was out of sight. I turned it off. Mm. I had to move it so it was out of my line of sight so i couldn't see it anymore and then i sat there and i'm like all right here we go okay so what what do you think you would do if like if you got to if you wanted to if you got to that point you're you're sitting basically on a riverside beautiful piece of property you've been there what do you think your first instinct would be uh, if you were going to embrace this because i'll tell you the, the the things that i went through that i found fascinating well i think what you're doing I don't know what my first instinct would be, but I think what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to be bored, which I think is really important. And you're not going to believe this. Look at the truck that's pulling up outside. It's the blower guys again. (laughs) They're parking in front of my house. They're about to go next door and turn on. See the giant leaf blower in the back? Yeah. They're about to turn that on. So anyway, uh, so we're going to have another broadcast like that. I think... What, you, what, what you're attempting to do is to allow yourself to be bored. And then out of that boredom, because that's what we did when we were kids, right? The reason why you would build ramps and dr- jump your brother or the reason why we would go out in a farmer's field and we would build forts out of corn and corn stalks and then uh, set things on fire, uh, which one time it got away from us, but that's another story for another day. A lot of times as a kid, 
You just did that out of boredom. So you would get together with your friends. There were only three channels on TV. The video game was basically Mattel football. Uh, and beyond that, you just had some oversized Tonka trucks that you played with. So we would be out in my neighbor's garage welding forks on bikes to see if we could get six, seven, eight lengths of forks on a bike and then stand on my father's Dodge station wagon when he wasn't around to actually get on the bike, try to ride it and not break our hand and also not break our home. So what you're doing is you're allowing your brain to be bored so it can find other interesting things to do. So that that river is too raging. I don't think you went fishing in the river. So what, what did you end up doing? Well, I did walk down to the river and I actually had prepared um, with stuff that I thought that I used to like uh, when I got up there. And so, for instance, I had uh, I have a guitar uh, up there. I brought a journal that has blank pages. I brought a couple books. I had a deck of cards. Uh, and so, and I brought my camera because you know that I like photography. And so I just started to go through these things and do different things. And it was fascinating the way my brain wanted to reach for the phone. So I pulled out a book. I'm, uh, I'm reading 1984 right now, the old uh, George Orwell book. And it's, that's incredible to read in 2020. So I'd read a chapter of that, set that down, and then I would want to reach for the phone. And it mm. was it was not in line of sight <laughs> and it was turned off. So then I pulled out my journal. I would write yeah. a little bit yeah. and then I would maybe draw a doodle for a while. I picked up my camera. I go down to the river. I took some pictures. I went for a walk. I And the amazing thing is then you look down and go, okay, it's been 28 minutes or whatever. Uh, and so just, it was amazing though, as the more time ticked off that your brain kind of relaxes in a sense, this overstimulation that I was in, um, is not good for me to constantly reach for some sort of stimulus yeah, it's good. every time at any interval, however, if it's three seconds long to, to instinctively reach for that. And so at the end of this article, the guy's like, okay, I've reduced my time per day down to an hour per day, which is difficult for him as a tech writer. And he goes, I've reduced my times that I pick up the phone from over a hundred to maybe 15 or 20 times a day. Wow. Good for Which him. is uh, a, a huge improvement for him. He's like, I'm not, I can't give it up because that's my vocation, but he's like, I want to be more mindful about it. So I, I was just, challenge people if, if if you want to try this like just just do it for uh, four hours like turn your phone off go for a walk without your phone i was i was with a friend of mine a while back and they're like oh we walked around green lake at six feet apart and both wearing masks i didn't i didn't log this in my what's it, is it called strava or strata Strava, Strava, yeah, which a is a uh-huh. which is a logging app for runners oh man i didn't log this in my strava is this three miles going to, did it even happen? The, the fact that I didn't log these three miles that are 2.4 miles, whatever it is around Green Lake. 2.8 and 3.2. Yeah. It's like this, it didn't really, it didn't count. It didn't count to, to this person because they didn't have their Strava on. Because the Strava you share with your friends and you compare and contrast and then you compete. And so what this person is doing is they're wanting to make sure they get credit that, for it. That their that their other friends see that 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 they put their time. But, in. And I'm not making fun of that. I get that instinct. Yeah. If I didn't take an Instagram picture, did it really count? So I just an experiment. I'm trying to keep my mind open and, and subtle uh, supple and like try new things. So I, I found it interesting. I want to keep trying to do that to find and, and realize those anxieties I have when I turn my phone back on and there's eleven text messages 
messages to go, okay, the world didn't end. I can respond to these 11 text messages. It doesn't, I don't have to do it in 30 seconds. Don't we have to, don't we have to, and that's fascinating what you're, what you're saying. And thanks for, for sharing that and that vulnerability. Don't you think we have to train, whether it's our friends or family or clients, this is what drives me nuts. Someone will text me because because I, I had a, a similar issue that was happening in my life. And you and I wear something called cool pants. You started wearing them first. I went out and bought the cool pants. Didn't know you were wearing cool, K-U-H-L. And now like my friend Joe, my friend Dave, my friend Scotty, we all wear the cool pants. There's a pocket in the cool pants that fits perfectly for your phone. And I would get that phantom. In fact, I would be working or doing something, maybe doing demo, maybe walking the... And I would feel... I would reach down phantom buzz. and think that my phone's there and it's not. And what I've tried to do, James Clear talks about doing something called habit stacking, which we talked about before. So what I try to do is when I sit with my son and we're sitting in the beanbag downstairs and we're watching a television show together, then there's no phone. The phone goes away. It's just he and I on the beanbag. And I say, beanbag, no phone habit stack. He and I have started taking long walks at night with, and I've tried to make it fun with headlamps. I got him a hat with a light in it. Uh, what kid doesn't like flashlights? We have scared the hell out of some of our neighbors though. Cause they think we're cat burglars when we're flashing our flashlights. But when we walk with Charlie, take the phone out. Anytime we walk Charlie and we go on a mile, two miles, whatever it is, then, then, then the phone comes out. And then the other thing that I try to do during the day is if I'm working on the computer a lot, when I shut the computer, I take my phone habit stack. I take the habit of shutting the computer and I take my phone and I put it down on top of the computer. The hard thing is, because for a lot of us, the connection with our kids, our family, our friends, and certainly our clients during COVID, it all traces back to the phone. The problem that I have is it used to be when you had a beeper. Like if someone called you and you and you had, let's, let, let's go back to just a, a message system. If you had a message system or just a recorder at home, you'd go, you'd play that back, and it was okay if you called somebody the next day. When you get a beeper, typically you have to call someone within in four to six hours. Now that we have these phones, if someone texts you and you don't text back immediately within 20 or 30 minutes, all of a sudden, somebody feels like something's wrong or they hurt you or something went sideways in your relationship, your friendship, or your client has an expectation of, hey, uh, I just uh, shared with you that I want to write this offer and you're not back to me in the next 22 minutes. What is going on here? There's this sense of immediacy and expectation that we have on other humans that are carrying these phones. And somehow, when we're, when we're taking that break, and if we're habit stacking, and go okay, when I walk the dog, the phone goes away. When I go up to the tiny house and I go down to the river, the phone goes away. As soon as I start a fire, when I start a fire at the tiny house, I'm going to stack a habit, and the habit is no phone when there's a fire going. Whatever the habit is, if you stack good habits, my son and I are learning. Hey, if I wake up in the morning, he has a hard time sometimes remembering to brush his teeth. When he gets up, I make my bed, I brush my teeth, I feed Charlie, then I eat. So that's the, those are the four habits that we're working on that we're stacking. So it, it is very hard to be present for other people when you have that damn phone. It's very hard to be present for yourself. And I have felt the anxiety that that phone creates when when my brain isn't uh, attached to it. I'll give you the final say. Yeah, so try an experiment. Go If you think you can't do it for a day because of those reasons Don just said, do it for an hour. If you can't divorce yourself from a phone for an hour, 
then I think there's some deeper things going on that maybe you should write or journal about. So yeah, start with I, an hour. And, 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 and I will just say, so I'll give myself the final say, it is an addiction. And, and, and some of the things that you were scared, and, and this is as someone who struggled with, with alcohol in their life, uh, what, what you just described to me, in, in, in some ways, terrorizes me more. And I've been on this alcohol-free journey now. Uh, in January, it'll be three years, heading into my fourth year. There, there certainly is an addiction aspect to this. And uh, so great reminder today and a great story. Hey, don't go anywhere. Coming up. Uh, are you thinking about getting married maybe in, in 2021? Tie in the knot. Maybe there's some questions you should ask yourself. Also, Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell, uh, they're in the brand new Christmas Chronicle movie, Christmas Chronicle 2. And uh, my mom and I actually had a really cool discussion about Goldie Hawn the other day. We talked a little bit about this on the podcast. Let's talk about that on the other side of this. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Started out right away with Don helping us look at the options. Like, here are different ways you can approach the sale of this house. I bought and sold a lot of real estate over my life. Don's listening skills were um, superior. Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well-prepared. They were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were, were going to provide, their services, were it just made it easy. It was a laydown. And so we put it on the market on Saturday. There was a lot of interest. They made an offer on the, on the offer date for over asking price. We did amazing. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. I, I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. We all celebrated. It felt like a team victory. <laughs> we were all just jumping up and down. They were passionate. And they, they were just honest and straightforward. And uh, no, everything's great. Uh, yeah, I definitely would recommend it. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Follow us on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. All right, you guys, here we go. And you just heard, we're live from the Let's Rob Studios. You just heard from some of our really happy clients in uh, 2020. Yeah, if you want a playbook for buyers or a playbook for sellers, email me directly, ron at windermere.com. I will send that out to you. You can find more information, ron at on sitdown.com. Yeah, we talked about this in episode 197. Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, I love him because he's in the movie uh, Backdraft, You Go, We Go. And Goldie Hawn, she used to be on a show that my parents love called Laughing. I bet your dad watched Laughing. Right? I remember Laughing vaguely. Yeah, she was a go-go dancer on Laughing. She started as a ballet dancer, though, a jazz dancer. Uh, and then she met Kurt Russell 37 years ago. They've been together ever since. They had a child together. They've never gotten married. And they say the reason they've never gotten married is because they've never felt the need uh, to get married because they assess every day whether they want to be in each other's lives. And so far, for 37 years, the answer has been yes, which I think is uh, pretty unique. Uh, you don't see that very much. Nonetheless... A lot of people are thinking about getting a divorce after 2020. I know some people, though, that are thinking about getting married in 2021. 
What about you? Would you would you would would you ever get married again? Is is marriage something that that's important to you? Uh, I mean, I don't know if the, I don't chase the institution. I think if there was a circumstance that came up where uh, you know it made sense that I'm open to it. I, the, the the interesting thing I read a book and I encourage people to to read it. It's called The New I Do, and it sort of reexamines marriage in a, in a cultural context in a modern context, and it provides like why do we do it. Uh, what are the different styles of marriages and how would you construct a, a relationship if the, if the idea of marriage didn't exist? There are certain like legal and, uh, things that, uh, that benefits to marriage. Like the chief among them could be, you know, tax purposes, uh, healthcare purposes. Like there's a citizenship purposes. So there's a lot of, there's a suite of rights that come with the institution of marriage that for some people makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you needed citizenship to the United States, for instance, or if you had a grave health issue and you had no insurance, you might consider marrying someone, uh, to get those benefits. And then the other romantic stuff, like with the, this couple you just talked about, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, they might be secure enough financially and insurance wise where they don't need those benefits. Uh, and that the romantic side and the, the partnership side are the things that they want. And so to negotiate that on its own accord, I think is really intriguing. Here's what's interesting. When, when you're getting married, you're, you're, you're signing a contract. There's a social contract, but then you're also signing a contract. Talk a little bit, uh, and, and, and this isn't a plug for our real estate business, but you, you do something, uh, where you really go down the rabbit hole with our clients. I on, marry every client. No, you go, you, you go down the rabbit hole on the, on these contracts. Talk about that a, a little bit about going through these contracts and why it's so important to you to go over every page and, and make sure that people understand every part of the transaction. Sometimes they don't even want to, they just kind of want to kind of speed read through because they're excited about this house that they might buy, want to buy. And, and you, you don't allow that Ron. Well, I mean, to me, the contracts are there um, in case blank happens. Uh, it's not, you don't need a contract when things go good. You need a contract for when things go bad. Mm -hmm. And so I like to take a couple minutes to go, there are possibilities that things don't go perfectly. Mm -hmm. That's why we have the contract to protect you. And so I, I don't go through every line, but there are some major concepts that I think it would be a dereliction of duty if you don't at least raise them. What happens if they don't perform? What happens if we don't perform? What happens if your bank doesn't perform? What happens if uh, you buy a house and then there's rats in every wall and we just didn't catch it? What do you do? And so how are you protected? What is the remedy to that sort of thing? Uh, and so that to me is, is important to at least raise it to you. If they want to waive it and not pay attention, that's their right. But I think that you, to do that and with relationships, I wish someone had given me some of these tools before I got married to say, Hey, it's not just about attraction or not just about whether or not you had fun with this person. It's not just about hobbies or whatever. It's about a lot more than that, including to like yeah. you just said. Yeah. When I was 33, I really got caught up in the emotion and I really did love somebody and, and I love them. I think for the right reasons at the same time, we never had these discussions. Our marriage lasted months. Uh, it could have lasted years, but the problem was is that her current husband came and introduced himself and said, hey, I think we're married to the same person. So that was an issue. That and could have been a problem. Then I found out there were seven other men that were also had been married uh, to this particular person in their 20s. So I just happened to be one of the eight. Uh, you know what? And that's kind of when that television show came out, Eight is Enough. And I said to myself, hey, you know what? Eight is Enough. 
I'm out of here. Uh, I've been engaged one time since then. And in that engagement, when I look back, I had no business being engaged because I didn't do my work. Again, I was caught up in the emotion. And I really didn't sit down and think about the social contract. And could I fulfill my end of the deal of the social contract with this other person? And the bottom line is this. Not only could they not fulfill their end of the social contract, and I knew that, but for sure... I knew that I couldn't fulfill that side of the the social contract because I hadn't done my work. And it's one of the reasons why I went into therapy because I'm like, wow, can can I make a relationship work here? What's standing in the way? Here I am three years later. Uh, and I feel like I could. I feel like I could make a relationship work, and I feel like I could even are, make a marriage. Are you work. proposing to me? <laughs> but 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 I think this is really good, you guys. There's a website called PowerPositivity.com. They do a lot of research. There's a lot of good stuff out there, uh, especially during COVID. Sometimes we need the power of positivity. Check out the website. A lot of good stuff about the relationships, friendships, uh, and they ask a couple questions. They give you 15. I'll give you just a couple, and I want to get Ron's take on this. If you're going to sit down. And sign that contract with somebody. Uh, number one, they say uh, you should ask each other, "How will we handle a future major move that affects both of us?" You and I went through this because we were moving around the country. There's one woman uh, that I lived with for two years. I was never married to her, uh, but we moved to San Francisco. And in moving to San Francisco, there were a number of things that blew our relationship up. We're still very good friends to this day. It took a couple of years to heal that relationship. Now she's one of my best friends. In fact, uh, she's one of our clients, and we have, we're going to meet with her this Saturday. Uh, but this is 20, 25 years ago. We never had that discussion about, hey, I got to move to San Francisco for, for my first radio job. We're going to work for the Raiders. I didn't have a discussion with her about what was important to her. We were just following my bliss, my dream. And that, that became a big issue. Yeah, the, the list of these questions is really, um, really interesting and stuff that I never did as well. I think when you're young, girl, uh, you want to just believe everything's going to work out okay. You don't build any contingency plans and you don't consider that because you don't want the answer to be no. You know, if you raise that question and one person's like, I'm never moving uh, and you're someone that wants to move, then that's... A no, that's a hard no. Yeah. And it's better and for a lot of people to go, wow, well, I really like this person and I really have a great time with them. I'm really attracted to them. So I'm just not going to, I'm not going to till this ground that could open up a bunch of no's. Yeah. How, uh, how will we handle spirituality if we have a family, if we raise a child together? How will we raise that child? That's really interesting because lots of us come from different backgrounds. So what happens when you have an evangelical Christian, for instance, uh, marry someone that uh, practices their Jewish faith? That one is interesting to me because it seems like a lot of people, It's you're marrying their whole family. Mm. Uh, you're not just marrying that person. And so th- this could be a thing that like the person that you're with could be like, eh, I can take it or leave it. But their mom or their dad or their brother or sister it could be so important to them that now all of a sudden you're going to baptisms and catechisms and Sunday schools because of the family more than the person. But yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah. yeah the one I think that I feel really uh, a lot of sympathy for is people change over time. Mm. So you get married uh, and let's just take an extreme example. That's a, you know what? That's number six. What are we both working on and what are we changing about ourselves in order to be 
uh, better people. That's number six. Well, let's just say that you, when you got into your relationship, you were both very devout, or maybe you were Mormon, or maybe you were uh, born again Christians, or maybe you were Muslim, or whatever it was. And one person decides they're going to change. So you could be five, ten years down the road with children, and you're like, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to be in this church anymore. Then what do you do? Is it possible to keep a family together uh, when one person makes a? I mean, that happens more frequently than I think people like to admit that maybe you were born and raised a devout Catholic. And then you decide, you know what? I don't want to be a devout Catholic anymore. Yeah. This is interesting. Where do we see ourselves five, 10, 15 or 50 years when we sit down, like for Windermere right now, you and I, for our broker's business, we had a meeting this morning and we meet almost every morning, at least four or five times a week. And, and we talk about where do we see the business in 2021? We we have a plan for 2021. Where do we see this business three to five years down the road? Are we going to exit this business, build this business, scale this business, sell this business? What are we going to do with this? I have that discussion with you. I have another discussion with one of my partners, Joe, about the real estate that we buy and sell. Is this a long-term play, a short-term play? Are we going to buy and hold this? Are we going to buy and flip this? Are we going to buy and sell this? We have all these discussions uh, when it comes to business and even with our kids, like I have a pretty good idea of where my son's going to go to elementary school, middle school, college. I'm so glad you didn't say, am I going to flip this kid? Sell this kid? <laughs> no, but think about it. Like I went out and I bought a home and the home I'm using is leverage, but I also have a backup plan of a 529 plan. That's riding the stock market right now. We're at almost 32,000 in his 529 plan is doing fairly well. So all this planning, when it when it when it comes to business relationships, but when it comes to marriage, do do you, I don't see a lot of people sitting down and saying, "Where do we see this marriage in five years, in ten years, in fifty years?" Well, that's the thing. To go back to this book, the new I do that was revolutionary to me, and if and when I ever start dating someone seriously, I'm going to incorporate this. You make a contract like this that has an expiration date. Uh, so that you can renegotiate. Say, so this is what for the next three months, six months, one year, two year, whatever your term is, you come up with what, what is this thing? And you define it and you put some constraints around it. And it can be as granular as you're brave enough to be. Uh, and the one example that I love from the book is that of one woman said, I want us to eat breakfast together every Saturday. That's my thing. And really? they, they had a reason why that was a thing and why it was so important to them. And it went back to their father and grandfather. Neat. But she's like, I need you to commit me for the next year. Every Saturday, we have breakfast together. And the, the guy said, I can do that. Then at the next year point, when they redid their deal, she's like, okay, is that still on the table? Do oh, really? we like that? Is that working for us? Okay. Are we still going to, are we going to commit to one more year of every Saturday we have breakfast? And that went, and then they had other things where it's like, Hey, this year, you did all the laundry and I did all the dinner cooking. Huh. That was our deal. Let's switch this year. I'll do dinner every night. You do all the laundry. We never have to fight about it. Mm. If there's a piece of laundry on the floor, it's always your responsibility. If there's a dinner, unless we talk about it, yeah. if there's a dinner to be cooked, that is always on me. And that's the deal they had, but then they could renegotiate at the end of the term. Yeah. Uh, a couple other questions and we'll do these quick and we'll just do a, a final one as we hit 15. And again, you can go to powerpositivity.com if maybe you want to talk through all 15 with your partner or potential partner. Uh, 13, how do you change your behavior based, uh, based on past failed relationships and how do we learn from that? 14, 
What are your financial obligations and goals? I think that's really important. I was talking uh, to a gal who I was engaged to, and she had a lot of debt, but she was traveling all the time and spending all her money. She was also spending a lot of money on an ad, like on, on a horse that was very important to her. And it's like, but you have all this student debt that you've racked up. How are we going to deal with the student debt? And at the same time, you still have your ability to ride your horse. You still have the ability to travel. How are we going to do that in this relationship? Because I saw the importance of her riding this horse. Like I supported that. And I also saw the importance of, of travel and traveling with her mom, with her friends, and possibly traveling with me. Uh, and you opened me up to that world of travel. So thank you for that. Uh, but at the same time, for me, I'm like, hey, I don't have I don't I don't have debt on credit cards. I don't. Uh, I own the vehicles that I own. The only debt I carry is on is on real estate, and that's it. Everything else is typically paid off at the end of the month. I don't like carrying debt uh, because when there's a downturn, I don't want to get uh, I don't want to lose everything. I've already lost everything in a hurricane, and also I've already lost everything growing up when my father left. We lost everything. I don't like that feeling. I do not like it. I don't think it's insecure. It's just, it's the way that I'm wired and I'm hardwired. And so if I have a partner, a romantic partner that's carrying a lot of debt, I look at that and I say, okay, how can we sit down and solve this together? But a lot of times people don't want to have that conversation. It's an impossible conversation sometimes to have because you take that really personally. It's like, what, you don't want me to ride my horse? What, you don't want me to travel? Uh, what, you don't think my education is important? No, I'm saying all those things are important, but how do we sit down and how do we move forward and how do we tackle this debt well, together? That's back, pretty tough. It's very tough. And back to my first point, what if the answer is no? So what if every, if all the boxes are ch checked yeah. in the positive column and you go, you know what? This person is never going to not carry debt. Can I live with that long term? Yeah. And if you can, proceed. If you can't, you might have to bolt. Yeah. And say, I, this is, and, and it's one of those things. It's literally not you. Mm. If you want to live your whole life with a bunch of debt, that's fine. That's just not me. Mm. And so I can't be a part of that. I know that it would always bug me. I would always be questioning when you bought made a big purchase of why you didn't put that money to pay off your debt. And so we can't be together long term. And that's it. Yeah. That's really, really hard. Final, the, the final one, and we haven't talked all about all those, but again, I've given you the website, is what is our commitment to marriage? You know, one thing that I've learned, whether it's in our relationship, is business partners, is a friendship, uh, whether it's in a relationship with my son, a relationship with a female partner, uh, whether it's a relationship with my mom. Sometimes, in fact, all the time, the scales are never balanced. There, there, there's someone in that relationship that needs the relationship more than the other person does. And there are just times where you might feel, Ron, like things are going really well in your life. And I'm feeling like they're not. And so to get up and because and, typically we'll never let it, we'll let ourselves down. You'll never let another person down. Uh at least that's the way a lot of us are wired or we don't want to let another person down. So we have this meeting every morning at 7.30. Sometimes I may need that meeting to stay on track more than Ron does because Ron may feel like, man, I am traveling. Things are going well. The business is going well. My personal life is going well. Uh, physically, I feel great. My health is great. Uh, 
And, and I may not be feeling that way. So, so I need this relationship a little bit more or with my son, you know, if he's feeling a little insecure, he's struggling in school. Sometimes he may need his dad more than usual, right? Sometimes I need that relationship. Like I need to remember that, Hey, to stay on track, to stay on this journey. I am someone's father. This is a day I've chosen not to drink. This is a day that I've chosen that that is my lifestyle. This is a day I've chosen to eat right, to take care of myself, to be good to Charlie, his dog, because being good to Charlie is being good to him. Today is the day I need to wake up and provide for him, right? So I think when we look at relationships, the scale is never balanced. And in a marriage especially, sometimes you're going to need sex more than that other person does. Uh, sometimes you're going to need a pat on the back. Sometimes you're going to need to laugh maybe more than the other person does. And we just have to make sure uh, that we're aware of that when we're going into such a commitment and bringing it back. You surely see that in Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell when you see some of the interviews that they're doing right now in places like People Magazine. So go check that out. The power of positivity.com. Lots of great discussions on there, you guys. We will see you on the other side of this. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys. Episode 198 is rolling on. Uh, we have a way to look at al- uh, analytics, I'm sorry, of the Ron and Don show. We're blown away how many people start listening to the show and then they listen all the way. Typically on podcasts, people start, they never finish. Uh, what are the analytics uh, telling us? And we are very grateful for what they're telling I us. I just wanted to, yeah, thank everybody. Like we got almost everybody up into the high 80s, uh, low 90s that will listen to the entire show. If you're still listening right now, you are the, you know, we're grateful for that, that you've done it as Don just described. The thing that's interesting to me is most of our episodes are around 30 to 40 minutes long, uh, sometimes a little bit longer, sometimes a little bit shorter, which is a beauty of the format is you're not bound to the clock like we were in terrestrial radio. I did the math. So we're, we're, we're at 800,000 listeners. We're, we're charging towards a million. That's about 17, was it 17,000? I believe that's 17,000 days of listening. If you add it all up. Wow. So 800,000 total plays. That's about 400,000 hours, 400,000 hours into days is 17,000 days. So if you think that's, that's just incredible to me because really time is the thing that the, the, you are what you spend your time doing. Hmm. Uh, and if you spend your time with us, hopefully we're adding value to your life and giving you new things to think about new, new ways to look at topics, maybe inspiration to, to think about your marriage or think about your relationships or putting down your phone. Uh, and, and it's adding some sort of space, some sort of normalcy, uh, to your life in a pandemic. But that, that is, I can't wrap my brain around it really 17,000 solid day, 24 hours a day, uh, of listening. If it, one person did all of that. Yeah. As we finish off uh, 2020, we're storming into the holidays here. Uh, it's really interesting to me the way that people have reacted and responded during this pandemic and the way that some entertainers have reacted and responded during this pandemic. Uh, you and I on our next podcast, we're going to talk about the fact that there's some people now within Major League Baseball that have looked at the pandemic. They've looked at Black Lives Matter and they said, you know what matters? Black baseball players matter. Uh, and we'll talk about this on episode 199. Uh you just shared with me a very important piece of information that I think is really incredible. And it feels like we're taking some of the things that we've learned this year, some of the hard things, 
and we're beginning to move forward, right? Yeah, so uh, to, we'll tease to the next episode. Major League Baseball announced that they will take all of the stats from the Negro Leagues, which is 1920 to 1948, and they're going to call them, they're going to incorporate them into Major League statistics. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a pretty, it's an interesting thing to unpack, and I'll, I'll be anxious to unpack it with you. There's a, an inter-episode tease, everybody. Yeah. You're going to have to tune in uh, the next time. Also in 2020, uh, we see some he- real heroes emerging, and some of those heroes are in the form of of entertainers, someone like Stephen Colbert, uh, who has been at the forefront of 2020. He's been doing his show from home. Uh, we've seen Jimmy Fallon doing his ho- show from home. And Stephen Colbert, it seems like, has taken his persona and he put it on the shelf in 2020 and said, hey, I'm just going to I'm gonna get more real, more authentic. We see that with entertainers. Howard Stern has a new book out. Uh, he's been going to therapy now for 20 years. Uh and he's really helped me get through 2020 just by laughing, listening to him and laugh. Colbert provided a lot of laughs, uh, but also he has really taken a stand in his own life politically. Uh, and in some ways, um, I would say for humanity, uh, kind of an extraordinary article out about him this week, right? Absolutely. I think um, if you haven't read it, he's on the cover of Vanity Fair, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very interesting read. It's long, uh, but read it. It, it is good um, uh, to get a glimpse behind the curtain. And I hadn't realized, really, the entire show is produced by his family. His kids are home from school quarantining, and his wife sits. She's basically the laugh track, not a laugh track, but the audience. Uh, he's performing for her, in a sense. And there's a camera on her because she giggles at a lot of his jokes. Uh, but his kids are wearing the headset. And they parked a TV satellite truck in front of his house. His his oldest son is like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's like, I'm not a TV producer. And so they just had to figure it out on the fly. Yeah. So so anyway, lots of uh, great heroes that have kept us on track. They keep us laughing. Uh, Howard's done that for me. Colbert has done that. Uh, also, he's taken a real political stand that I appreciate because I know where he stands. I may not agree with everything, but I know where he stands. Uh, and it's good to see here in the U.S., uh, that both sides of the aisle have decided now with the Electoral College uh, checking in, saying, hey, time to turn the page. Let's start moving forward for 2021. So let's do that together. Thanks for making us a part of 2020 as uh, we count down to episode 200 uh, this year. Uh, we'll be on Christmas Eve in just a few days. So we're pretty excited about that. Thanks for staying connected with us. And you can stay connected with us in a number of ways, right? Absolutely. I would love it if you subscribed, if you uh, told someone about the show so they could subscribe. We have a newsletter we put out every Wednesday. Uh, you can sign up uh, at ronadonsitdown.com. And uh, we would just love, we appreciate you listening. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Hit subscribe. Ronadonsitdown.com is the website. And here's my son to remind you to keep your head up, your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time for episode 199. Happy holidays, you guys, from Ron and Don, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>